everyone, and welcome back to another long-awaited episode of the Historic Pinstripes. Once again, my name is Brian, and I have been a diehard Yankees fan for my entire life. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. Um, so, today's topic, I am going to be discussing... Uh, the career of Don Mattingly, otherwise known as Donnie Baseball or the Hitman, which we, he was often referred to uh, as, and of course, the captain as well. And now to the career of Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly, who was a six-time All-Star for the New York Yankees and played his entire career with the New York Yankees, 14 seasons. He was actually my favorite player uh, when I was growing up watching the Yankees. He was the guy in New York because well when I like I said in the open about um how well at least I've said it before how um really when I started growing up watching the Yankees on TV and I obviously around here in New England we didn't really get a whole lot of Yankee games but we did get some WPIX was carried for a little while down here um however um I I used to watch a lot of Yankee games and and Donnie, Donnie Baseball of course being the best player on a lot of those teams especially the 1990-91 team of course 1990-91 Don Mattingly um, missed a lot of games especially in 1990 but in 91 as we'll get into you know he it, that's really where he started developing and not really developing that grit but he he already had it but it was just like he because he couldn't play like he used to but he wanted to play so bad he just wanted to play every single day and he wanted to do whatever he could to help the team um, so, uh, moving on, as I said, uh, Don Mattingly being my favorite baseball player, uh, Mattingly was a nine-time Gold Glove winner, six-time All-Star. Donald Arthur Mattingly was his full name. He was the youngest of five brothers. He was drafted in the 19th round in the 1979 Major League Baseball draft by the New York Yankees. Um, he went to high school at Rates Memorial High School in Evansville, Indiana. And actually, in 1979, at A-Ball, a low A-Ball, he was 18 years old, and he hit 349 in 53 games uh, for the single-A affiliate, low single-A, in 198 plate appearances. Um, so he, and really, if you look at his numbers in the minor leagues, Don Mattingly, he, he really, like, he really shined, he, he, like, pretty much right away. Um, the only thing was they had probably too many first basemen, so they didn't really have a spot for him. Um, but, of course, he was only 18 at this time. Um, five years in the minor leagues he, he spent. Um, and uh, 1982, he had his lowest batting average, which was 315, which, of course, is not low at all. His major league debut ended up being September 8th of 1982. I believe he was a September call-up. He's 21 years old when he made that September call-up on September 8th of 1982 against the Baltimore Orioles and he actually played left field because as I said before um, the Yankees had a lot of first basemen back in those days um, I believe they had uh, I'm not sure at that particular time but I know eventually they had guys like Roy Smalley, um, Ken Griffey, Don Baylor, uh, Chris Chambliss they, they had a lot of guys Steve Balboni um, they had a lot of guys who were able to play first base and Don Mattingly being the young player um, and obviously a lot of Yankee managers and at that time really in baseball rookie players really had to earn their playing time they didn't just give it to them just because they had a, a lot of talent but but anyways in his first game he didn't get in at bat he just came in uh, played some defense in left field 
Yankees ended up winning that game 10-5. Um, of course, the batting lead did not really, wasn't really a factor in that game. Anyways, um, his first at-bat came um, three days later on September 11th versus the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he was a pitch hitter for Willie Randolph in a 14-2 blowout. Um, in the bottom of the seventh, he came up, he, he, and he, uh, he actually popped out the third baseman. Um, the pitcher was Jim Slatton for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, his first hit came in Yankee Stadium October 1st of 1982 toward the end of the season against the Red Sox. Um, it was in the 11th inning. You get a base hit off of pitcher Steve Crawford, um, and that was his first, uh, his first hit. Um, it, it was not a walk-off. Uh, he also had 12 at-bats that year, two singles, one RBI, and he really didn't play very much at all. He, like I said, he was pretty much a September call-up. Um, uh, some other guys that were in front of him were Lee Mazzilli, Bob Watson, and uh, Mayberry. Bob Watson is the same guy who later became the Yankees' general manager for the Yankees team in 1996, and I think he was also there in 97 as well as the GM before Brian Cashman took over. And then in 1983, Don Manley finally started the year in the major leagues, but it was only until April 14th, um, and and that's when they sent him back down to the minor leagues. He played 43 more games in the minor leagues, 193 plate appearances, 8 home runs, 37 RBIs, had a 340 batting average, and he only struck out 14 times in 100, 193 plate appearances back down at AAA in 1983. Um, so, of course, he eventually came up in 83 and found a way to earn a spot, which ended up being his rookie season at just 22 years old, played 91 games in the major leagues um, once he came back up, uh, including some of those games were obviously before April 14th, but probably not not, not, that, not that many, of course. Um, so he played 91 games that year in 83, his rookie year, 305 plate appearances, four home runs, 32 RBIs, only struck out 31 times. And it's actually remarkable how many times um, Mattingly, really, he really didn't strike out a whole lot at all. Um, he had a 283 batting average um, as a rookie in, in 1983, 22 years old. 1984, he won his first batting title, actually his only batting title, um, he hit 343. Obviously, that was um, the year that Dave Winfield and Don Mattingly were locked in a, uh, a, a, a battle, basically. They were teammates. The team really wasn't going anywhere. They, 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 they were not very good. But Don Mattingly and Dave Winfield, they were the ones that were neck and neck in the batting title. And it was kind of a competitive, um, competitive but they weren't, they weren't like at each other's throats. They, you know, you, they, you could tell... They were pulling for each other as far as being teammates, but you know, it, it, in the in the tabloids, they were also that basically Don Mattingly and Dave Woodfield. They just wanted to compete and see who could get the better batting average, which is kind of a healthy competition within a team, um, especially a team that really didn't have a whole lot um, to play for, um, especially by the end of the year. And uh, of course, Don Mattingly ended up winning the batting title that year by just a little bit over Dave Winfield. He had a th- uh, three with a 343 batting average. Um, he had 207 hits, led the league in 1984. 44 doubles also led the league in 1984 for Don Mattingly. 23 home runs, 110 RBIs. He only struck out 33 times in in uh, 153 games, 662 plate appearances. 
Um, and I mean, that's what I was mentioning before. I mean, he, it's incredible uh, how Don Mattingly was able to make contact with the baseball. And uh, then 1985, Don Mattingly was even better. And he just got better and better and better, it seemed, for these next few years. 159 games, 727 plate appearances, 48 doubles, led the league. Um, he had 35 home runs, 145 RBIs, which also led the league. A 324 batting average, a 371 on-base percentage, which is very good. Um, an on-base plus slugging adjusted of 156, um, which is well above average. And basically, on-base plus slugging adjusted just kind of shows um, the overall offensive output um, of the of the player. Um, so his was well above average and actually was probably either the highest in the league or one of the highest um, because he won the MVP that year. Um, he led the league in sacrifice flies um, with 15. And also, he won his first of five straight Gold Glove Awards and, of course, eventually nine Gold Glove Awards for Donnie Baseball. Um, so... 1985 was a huge year for Don Mattingly and uh, um, right back to back with 1984 when he won the batting title. And I um, then the next year, 1986, was really no different. He had a very good year that year as well. And he was even the first lefty throwing third baseman in 1986 since the early 1900s when we really Keeler uh, played third base. Um, because you really don't see a whole lot of uh, baseball players playing third base. And the, the, the reason for that is pretty much because um, when you're ground, fielding a ground ball at third base, you kind of have to cross over, and it, it takes a lot more time, especially at that level, um, to in order to get the ball and then throw it, you have to kind of turn your body. Um, uh, you, have, you, you have to turn your body quick, but if it's a right-hander, a right-handed uh, fielder, you um, Turning, turn, you don't really have to turn your body as much. You just kind of field it. Your right hand is right there and ready to throw pretty much. You kind of, you know, it's just kind of how you learn to field a ground ball. And, of course, Don Mattingly, being the great first baseman that he was, um, he, I guess the Yankees really needed a third baseman. I think Mike Pagliarulo, the Yankees were, they were hurting for third baseman. Mike Pagliarulo was a third baseman, but he was injured. So Mattingly offered and, they took him up on it, and he ended up playing third base for three games that year. Well, three games in his career, he ended up playing th third base in that game as well, and he even turned two a couple times in his career. Um, played three games in his career at third base. He only made one error and two double plays, which is um, not bad for a guy that, you know, he's a left-handed player playing third base, and it's really not his, not his position, um, especially playing um, – across the diamond as a left-handed left thrower. So that kind of shows you how just how good of a fielder Donnie Baseball was. And also in 1986, uh, Don Mattingly, he actually came just short of winning the another batting title against uh, you know a, a future teammate, actually, Wade Boggs. Um, he, I believe he actually had like four hits in the last game of the year and it ended up being against the Red Sox. Uh, but I think Wade Boggs pulled himself out of the game after he... I think he had gotten a hit or something like that. Um, but uh, anyways, Wade Boggs ended up keeping the lead and ended up winning the batting title. Uh, moving on, 1987, this was when Don Mattingly uh, got his first injury. It was uh, two protruding discs in his back. 
he needed so basically he just I guess needed rest um and I guess they figured that rest would kind of solve it um and of course as we know now nothing really did I'm um but anyways uh Dan Pasqua ended up filling in um he never really panned out as as that well um but he he filled in for Don Mattingly then when Mattingly returned um he began to hit way better than he was because and before he got hurt and went on the injured list uh Don Mattingly he, he was really struggling and um it, it really he didn't want to go on the injured list um he wanted to play but so of course when he came back he started to hit way better because you know the rest of in the back wasn't hurting quite so bad um he ended up hitting 10 home runs in eight straight games um, he had six grand slams in that entire year, and he actually never had a grand slam uh, in in the the rest in any other season. He had six grand slams in one season, and that was it, um, which is which is a record. And actually, the ten home runs in eight straight games w- was a record, but that's been, um, I believe, a few people, at least a couple of people, have tied it already, and I think a couple, or at least one anyway, might have broken it. So, in all, Don Mattingly was a six-time All-Star from 84 to 89, an MVP. Um, he was a batting champ in 1984, um, obviously almost winning in 1986. He also had five straight Gold Glove Awards from 84 to 89, and he also had three Silver Slugger Awards. And then in 1990s, when things kind of turned, um, obviously the back problem, it was starting to get a lot worse for him especially while he was playing um, in June of 1990. And uh, this is when they kind of realized that he had a, a, a chronic back problem and the rest did, really didn't work at all. Um, and uh, so he ended up missing a lot of time. Um, he actually asked to be taken out and, and they found that he had a congenital disc deformity, um, which severely limited and altered his swing on and off the injured list pretty much the rest of the year and his basically he just he needed off-season therapy um and i guess that really kind of helped him the most which nothing else really helped but that that actually helped him for the next year because his numbers were really not that they, they were vastly different from what they were before he played 102 games um and uh five home runs 42 rbis 256 um so he really was not the same Don Mattingly, and there was clearly something wrong. Um, and 1990 was actually the year that he he was really, really struggling, worse than he had ever struggled before, because obviously from 84 to 89, he hardly struggled at all, of course, um, that having some just phenomenal years, probably uh, at that, from the, in that span of time, probably the best player in the game in a lot of people's minds. Um, but uh, 1990 was really when the back problem got a lot worse, and it was a really uh, big problem for him for the rest of his career. Um, however, I mean, because of the fact that Don Mattingly, he always wanted to play, and of course in 1990, the Yankees really didn't have a whole lot of options. They didn't have a very good team at all. They actually finished in last place that year. They had 95 losses as a team that year. Um, I believe that was the same year that uh, George Steinberg ended up getting suspended for all the stuff going on with Dave Winfield. Um, so there was that stuff going on. Um, but Mattingly still, he wanted to play and that's why he was on and off the injured list because he, he didn't want to, he didn't, he didn't want to 
he, he didn't want to just sit. He wanted to be in there no matter what. But at the same time, though, obviously, I'm, you know, he was, wasn't really helping the team, and he just couldn't, he couldn't do it. Um, however, like I said, in the offseason, he had some physical therapy, which helped. And in the beginning of 1991, he was actually named team captain in spring training. And, um, and in 1991, he played 152 games, hit 288, nine home runs, 68 RBIs, struck out just 43 times in his career, which is actually the most he ever struck out in his career, which is pretty remarkable, um, especially considering he played 152 games. That's with a, a chronic back, back problem. Um, had a 103 on-base plus slugging adjusted, which is just a little bit above average, and had a uh, had won another Gold Glove award so to add to his collection. Um, he had now had six at that time. Um, so I mean, even though he he didn't hit 300 or over 300 like it was hitting before, considering the injuries he had, 288 is not that bad at all, especially playing still 152 games in a Gold Glove level. Um, first base and then 1992 was very similar he had played 157 games so even more uh, he had a 288 batting average had a few more home runs 14 home runs so he went up by he had five more home runs than the year before 86 RBIs 108 on base plus slugging adjusted so he he performed a little bit better as far as his power numbers go and he struck out just 42 times that year as well. And so then the next year, 1993, um, Mattingly played 134 games. He had 17 home runs, 86 RBIs, had a 291 batting average, and 120 on base plus slugging adjusted. Also won another Gold Glove award. So he was up back. He, he was he was getting close to his total of nine. Um, and he had. 42, he had struck out his 42 times that year as well in 134 games. So by this time in 1993, the Yankees had started to become a little bit better. They were trading away some of their young guys like Bernie Williams um, because obviously George Steinbrenner was, he, he had, I think he had been suspended for three years. I actually think it was 1991, early 91 that he was, he had served the suspension at first until like 94. Um, but, um, so Bernie came up that year in 91, but it took him a while. Um, and Mattingly was a big part of his development. Um, and, but also in 93, the Yankees had ended up signing, uh, they ended up signing Wade Boggs over to play third base, which helped. And um, I believe that was the same year. I think Jimmy Key might have joined the team that year. And they also had uh, Denny Tartable. And also they had made a trade for Roberto Kelly. Um, and obviously it was Roberto Kelly for Paul O'Neill. Paul O'Neill, um, he had a good year. I think it was 1990 with the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, Roberto Kelly was actually a pretty good baseball player for the Yankees at the time. Um, Paul O'Neill, after 1990, his, la his, his last couple of years with the Reds were very good. And so people didn't real they didn't know who who, who this Paul O'Neill was. So, but of course, you know that uh, that's why you never know what like when when. When a team makes a trade, you never know what's going to happen. Um, kind of like with the Yankees currently with Isaiah kind of um, uh, who's the shortstop now for the New York Yankees. And obviously a lot of Yankee fans wanted to see Carlos Correa and, and uh, Trevor Story sign with the Yankees. And obviously that would have been preferred even by myself or any Yankee fan. Of course, you always want your team to get the best, uh, the best option out there. But sometimes that's not always possible. 
Um, however, it is kind of hard to see, especially with the deep pockets that they have anyway. But anyways, uh, Isaiah kind of Falefa anyway, to me, he, he's kind of that same type of guy. Like he's, he's like a perfect fit, I believe, for the Yankees. The Yankees need a lot more contact hitting players, in my opinion, anyway. And um, in my opinion, Paul O'Neill was kind of that perfect fit for the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. And I'm not trying to uh, compare kind of Falefa to Paul O'Neill, but just the idea that kind of Falefa's talents and abilities could 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 translate to helping the Yankees still, despite him not being as good as Carlos Correa um, or Trevor Story, because Trevor Story, for instance, is kind of a power guy. He's a very good hitter, don't get me wrong, but he's more of a power guy, and the Yankees have a lot of power hitters already, but kind of Falefa is a guy that the Yankees don't really have a whole lot of, and I believe that could be a really good thing for the New York Yankees, kind of reminiscent of the Paul O'Neill trade and probably some other trades you can go back and, and think of. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's the guys that you need around the, the Aaron Judges and the Giancarlo Stantons. You need guys to get on base like that. And kind of Falefa is only 26 years old. So uh, anyways, moving on, getting back to Don Manningly. And uh, so, you know, he had he had gotten some more help now in 1993 with Wade Boggs coming over to the Yankees. He signed, a, I believe it was a three-year contract with the Yankees from the Red Sox, um, leaving them. And uh, Paul O'Neill came over, and uh, I believe Jimmy Key as well. Jim Abbott, I think. I'm not sure about Jimmy Key, but I know Jim Abbott did, um, and a few others. And so they were starting to get a little bit better um, from 93 on and, of course, I'm sure that must have motivated Don Mattingly to play through the injuries because Don Mattingly had still never, even though he had been in the league for like 10 years at this point, maybe 10, 11 seasons, and he had never made it to the playoffs um, or won a World Series, of course. And, of course, playing for the New York Yankees, that's kind of, that's, that's not really a good thing. Um, so, of course, that was – and obviously him being toward the end of his career with this uh, chronic back problem – he really wanted to do that and obviously help his team as much as he could. And um, I'm sure that must have been um, inspiring for the, for him to see them give, see, to, see the, to see the front office start to help them out a little bit. And even some of the younger guys coming up. Um, and even at that time, there was like guys like uh, Bob Wickman, who younger fans probably won't know, but he at the time, if you look him up, he had a pretty decent career. I mean, he wasn't great, but, but he, he was actually... A, he was actually a decent reliever. And then there were quite a few other young uh, players at that time that the Yankees had. Gerald Williams, Bernie Williams, like I mentioned. Um, and, of course, eventually we're going to get to, like, the Derek Jeters and Posadas and all them. So moving on, 1994, um, of course, being the strike year. But before that, the, um, Don Manigley had played 97 games of the 100 and something games that, the, that there was in that season. So he played 97 games, had 436 plate appearances, only hit six home runs, 51 RBIs. Of course, the Yankees had a very good season that year. It's a shame about the strike. Um, he um, struck out just 24 times that season in 436 plate appearances, which is pretty remarkable. And he actually hit 304 that year, had a 113 on-base plus slugging adjusted, which is very good. Um, so each year, his on-base plus slugging adjusted went up from 91 to, well, really 1990 to 93. And 
I, I well, I guess ninety four kind of went down a little bit, um, from one twenty to one thirteen, and he also won his last Gold Glove Award in nineteen ninety four as well. Um, so the next year after the strike, obviously there was no World Series, and so the next year in nineteen ninety five, um, he was thirty four years old, and I, I, I believe they said that Don Mattingly knew that that was pretty much going to be his last year. And so the team really wanted to try their best to win one or at least get in the playoffs for Don Mattingly because he had never been there. Um, so uh, he ended up playing 128 games that year, uh, 507 blade appearances, seven home runs, 49 RBIs, 35 strikeouts in um, 507 plate appearances, a 288 batting average, and a 97 on-base plus slugging adjusted. Um, so the OPS plus really kind of went down a lot. Um, of course, him being older and the back, I'm sure, was really, it, it was probably just getting a lot harder to keep up the physical therapy and, and everything to to do what he needed to do to play at a high level. But he still hit just 288, struck out just 35 times in a 507 plate appearances. I mean, that's 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 uh, still pretty remarkable. Um and actually, down the stretch that year in 1995, he was a big reason why the Yankees made it to the playoffs for the first time since 1981, um, when they were in the World Series. Um, so he, and the, down the stretch in September of 1995, Don Mattingly hit 321 with eight doubles, 12 RBIs, and he scored uh, 12 runs. In the playoffs, of course, Don Mattingly played all five games for the Yankees. Um, he he ended up hitting like 400, I think it was like 421 or something like that, and and he, and he he had hit one home run or I believe it might have been two home runs. One one of them, the first one was in Game Two in uh, in Yankee Stadium, and um, I believe it was off of Tim Belcher in the sixth inning, and um, and the, the crowd just went nuts. And uh, I think people like was, uh, the crowd just went absolutely nuts. If you actually, you could probably search it on YouTube. Don Mattingly um, and his uh, his his uh, first home run in in the playoffs. Um, but uh, so, anyways, so that's that's Don Mattingly's career as a player. As far as Don Mattingly and um, um, why so many players, there were so many young players that went that came up at that time. Like I mentioned about Bernie Williams, Gerald Williams, uh, there there are a lot of them. Um, he he really kind of led a lot, kind of led a lot like Derek Jeter. He led by example. So one thing that he did when he uh, became captain in 1991 um, was that he uh, started writing uh, pep slogans on chalkboards. He really took his role as captain very seriously, and he would just find ways to try to you know motivate the team and and he would. Obviously, like I said, he led by example, just very much like Derek Jeter. Um, he also set win-loss goals for the team and in, in, uh, in, in interviews after the game and before the game or whatever. And, you know, he really wasn't afraid to, to talk to players and, and to help them out if he could. And also another thing about Don Manningly that was kind of interesting and, and also kind of inspiring. I mean, this guy loved to hit. That's why they call him the Hitman. Um, that was one of his nicknames. Um, he used to take BP for three hours in the cage, um, and uh, that was before games. And in 1991 on, because of the the back problems he was having, he really he couldn't do that anymore because that, that was you know he was over overdoing it of course. Um, 
So he used the time to talk to young players like Gerald Williams, Bernie Williams, um, whoever was coming up, and he would just answer any questions they had. Um, so that was one of the reasons why they, they, you know, he really became um, a big part of of those that younger generation, and kind of passing the torch to the to the next group of uh, Yankees, especially like the 1996 and 7, 98, 99 team. But anyways, there was also an incident between Bernie Williams and Mel Hall, where Mel Hall, who was a veteran outfielder at the time. Um, probably start, felt a little bit insecure, probably very insecure about Bernie Williams coming in because Bernie Williams, he obviously had some talent and uh, Mel Hall, he did pretty well I guess for the Yankees, but he wasn't he wasn't a great player, and Bernie Williams was a very sensitive uh, guy and he was uh, he if you look at an old picture of him he he actually had those uh, he had glasses and the, the, the those big with those big lenses. And I guess he, Mel Hall would call him a, um, because he looked like a, a deer in the headlights, he would call him Bambi, and he would really kind of rag on, on Bernie a lot. And Don Mattingly really had to kind of step in and tell Mel Hall to quit it. And that's where Mattingly started working with Bernie Williams and making him feel more comfortable and more confident in himself and his talents. Um, and that's where Bernie really started to, to get better. And of course, Mel Hall ended up really not not being with the Yankees that much longer. Um, so that's just one incident on why Don Mattingly was such a great leader for the Yankees and really helped that next uh, that next group of young players like Bernie Williams um, and and even guys like Jeter who came up in 1995. So getting back a little bit to the the postseason of 1995. Um, Don Mattingly actually had a 440 on base percentage in five games in the playoffs that year against the Seattle Mariners. He got a hit in every single game um, except for game three against Randy Johnson. Game two, he was part of the back-to-back home runs with Ruben Sierra. Him and Ruben Sierra went back-to-back. Um, and uh, They both hit it off of Andy Bennis, who was a, was a good right-handed pitcher at that time. So the Yankees took a 3-2 lead on Mattingly and Sierra's back-to-back home runs. Game 5, um, bottom of the 6th versus Andy Bennis. Uh, the bases were loaded, and Don Mattingly hits a ground rule double down the left field line, which actually would have scored another run and possibly helped the Yankees if the Yankees were able to. They might have been able to hold off the Mariners, but um, of course it was a ground rule double down the left field line to bounce into the seats. And Sierra had to hold at third base. That RBI ground rule double ended up putting the Yankees on top and giving them a, at least a chance of going to the next round. Of course, it just it didn't work out like that. And also, he was four for five in Game Four of the American League Division Series. He had two doubles and two RBIs. The two, two doubles came off of J- Jeff Nelson for the Seattle Mariners, um, and he also had two RBIs in the first inning of Game Four off of Chris Basio. Which was a single, um, uh, uh, which was a single to center field, and he also had had two RBIs on a base hit off of Chris Basio up the middle, and uh, and and basically that's that's the entire career of Donnie Baseball. Um, Don Mattingly, as I said, was he was he was and is my favorite baseball player of all time, really. Um, and, you know, he's just one of those guys that he just went out there and played as hard as he could. And even though at the end of his career, Don Mattingly 
was not able to play at an all-star caliber level because of his back, um, he still found a way to make an impact on the team, on the, on the Yankees. And uh, Don Mattingly uh, definitely, I, in my opinion, he definitely deserves to have his number retired. As far as being in the Hall of Fame, I, w- I would say Don Mattingly, he's, as if, if he had kept going from 1989, he would have he he been a lock for the Hall of Fame. But um, it just wasn't really meant to be. At the same time, though, and if you really think about it, he's still, he's, probably like the the top in the top three as far as Yankee first basemen's probably Lou Gehrig, Don Mattingly, and maybe Mark Teixeira, um or Chris Chambliss, probably Mark Teixeira. Um but he's right up there. Um obviously Lou Gehrig is always the top first baseman. But anyways, so those are my thoughts on Don Mattingly and just some information on Don Mattingly who's um who was one of the greatest New York Yankees of all time and probably one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And so thank you all for listening to this week's episode on the career of Don Mattingly. And once again, I just want to mention that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Movie Theater Time Machine, Psych Your Crime, Free Your Geek, and a bunch of other podcast streamers. Um, You can feel free to go to www.4041media.com dot com for more information and once again thank you all for listening everybody and as always go yankees